Are you looking to take your knowledge of faith to the next level? Oh, yeah! You've come to the right place. Welcome to Post-Christian Pastors, broadcasting from the Steel City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The podcast hosted by four pastors as they discuss relationships, faith, pop culture, current issues, and much, much more. Hey everybody, welcome to Post-Christian Pastors, the podcast by four pastors and looking at uh, all kinds of issues in our culture from pop culture to entertainment to religion to love to food. Comedy. Politics, comedy. Passion. Yes. Passion. (laughs) Way to go. Passion. Passion. Always passion. Mm. Passion. Well, my name is Mark Helsel, and I'm along with my compadres uh, here on the podcast. So why don't we go around the horn? So uh, playing first base today is... John Price with the scoop. (laughs) Scooping at first base. A little low throw from third over here. (laughs) Mike Arnold is here as well. Uh, We just went straight to third base. (laughs) Wow. That was a low throw, Mike. That was a very good throw. I like that band. You can't go straight to third base. You just can't do that. On second base is Marv (laughs) Nelson. Yes. (laughs) Marv is playing second and batting cleanup. That's right. And and my name is... I have to clean up your messes. Yes. Like compadres. Compadres. So uh, we are glad to be back. Uh, We're kind of in a goofy mood as we start this. And uh, we're really looking forward to uh, the show today. And and, uh, our guests that we have for for you are great. And uh, we are going to be looking... Our theme for today is the next generation not star trek that's that there was a next generation yeah star yeah. trek was i wasn't a trekkie anybody here a trekkie were you guys my dad was a trekkie so i watched it with him really i hated star trek i hated it i love star wars hated star trek I thought it was okay and i grew up mm-hmm. with lost in space did any of you guys watch lost yes, in space lost in space yep. yeah i know i'm a little like old. it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i just thought star trek was goofy i don't know so anyway, Star Trek was goofy. You're a very made it. serious yes. comic book guy. Yes, I was a serious, <laughs> serious comic serious book guy. Serious. Yeah, there's a huge difference. Yes. See, I love that I was a comic book guy since I was five because now the rest of you, I'm watching you all catch up. I'm watching you all fall in love with the things I've loved since I was five years old. So that's well, the assumption that you're making. <laughs> it's like, just silence. I, I really love. Comics what too. Do you mean? They're the best movies. But basically, in the, uh, your maturity peaked out at five. Is what you're saying? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Look at I'm it that saying, way as well. <laughs> I'm saying that I'm saying that it's the comic books shed a light on their m- metaphors for truth and the gospel and all kinds Everybody of things. Everybody needs like a that. hero. Everybody, all of us hope for a, a hero, a savior. Mm-hmm. All right, let's well, we have one. So right. yep. next generation, it is. And so we're looking at the next generation. So we're we're asking, uh, we're looking at this next generation, like this cell phone. Addicted, selfie, growing up with screens, selfies. Uh, I have no idea what rewind means. Yeah. <laughs> Do you realize that? I said that to my kids the other day. I was like, uh, I talked about a VCR, and they were like, Dad, what's a VCR? And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> man, I'm really good. Beta. This. Yeah, beta. So, this, like, what do you want to call them? Millennials? We could call them millennials. We can call them. We can call them the screen generation, whatever coming up. So they're 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 they got some interesting things going on. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to be talking about them, and we've got a couple sure. experts to bring in to talk with them. Now, also the people around this table, we worked a lot with 
young people and yep. and uh i did 20 years as a youth pastor um i got a couple living in my house yeah you have yeah. a couple living in your house which is the best training uh <laughs> of that uh john you you were a youth pastor for for about 15 years 15 years yep. and you've got what a teenager in your house here? almost almost yeah yep almost on the verge You're getting there mm-hmm. and and our expert marv nelson he expert. still works he still works he with still is a kid kind of. millennials. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's yeah. a marv millennial. is secretly only 15 years old <laughs> We haven't told anybody. It's true. Marvin, I, uh, you had, you I had, had a beard at eight, didn't you? Uh, you're the kind yeah. of guy that had early facial hair. Yeah, no. <laughs> early facial hair? Me. I didn't even have hair. It takes me a week. I only 15. have to shave once a week. It's awesome. I shave. <laughs> what did you say? I didn't even have armpit hair until I was 15. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a late puberty. It was, it was wonderful. <laughs> It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I know because it's it really stinks when you have to shave it. Yeah. <laughs> well, then it then it stinks less actually. <laughs> oh man, we're All messed right. up today. TMI. <laughs> so we we are bringing in some uh-huh. experts to. Uh, to, to speak about this topic, Brock Morgan, he's been a youth pastor for 25 years and doing some really neat work in Washington, D.C., and he's a writer and author. And our Pittsburgh-owned Travis Deans, who Travis is amazing, he's uh, he knows everything about youth ministry. He's he's in, I, I think he is in every high school in Pennsylvania, I swear. And uh, he's going to be coming on, so we're going to have a lot of fun with those guys Great. talking about the next generation. If you have kids, no kids... If you have teenagers, no teenagers, work with millennials, I mean, hiring millennials, all kinds of stuff like that, it's going to be a good show for you. Yep. So don't go anywhere. Come right back. We're going to take a short break here on Post-Christian Pastors. Back here on Post Christian Pastors, and wow, we're excited for uh, our guest coming on right now. And uh, as we begin this theme, the next generation, and we're looking at uh, this crazy generation coming up right now—the millennials, the meadow kids, the, the kids, the crazy kids um, <laughs> coming up. So we are—we're looking for drunk driver. Cra- <laughs> As the so only millennial the on this podcast, podcast. Uh, yeah, we do have one millennial on the podcast. So the rest of I'm a Gen Xer. So I'm a Gen Xer. Gen Xer. You're yeah. So almost a baby boomer, dude. Almost. I am. Like, I'm okay, shut up. You guys always pick on you my age. A, you had a mullet. So oh, okay. No, you were close. X's my mullet ends up on every show somehow. <laughs> somehow, it's that like Marv's a certified book. mullet. My mullet and Marv's book ends up on every show. I've, I've seen Geneva <laughs> College pictures. I, I'm pretty sure there was a mullet. In those all stockers. right. All right. So here we are. Uh, we're we're looking at this whole thing of the next generation, and we've got some great guests. Our first guest today is a very good friend of mine. And I had the uh, privilege in my life to travel the highways and byways with him for years and uh, excited to have him on. His name is Brock Morgan. Let me tell you a little bit about Brock. Brock's been in youth ministry for 25 years. I know some wow. of you, that sounds like hell. But um, but Brock has been in it for 25 years. It's a long time. He has uh, lost his mind because of it. No, he's, he's doing all right. And uh, he's an amazing youth, amazing youth guy. He uh, was the director of training for Youth Specialties, which is 
um, the, I think one of the oldest, if not the oldest, youth ministry training and resource provider uh, for teenagers, uh, for youth pastors, churches, things like that. So he was the director of training. That's where I met him. He's a popular speaker for camps, retreats, and conferences. He's had articles published in Group Magazine, Immerse Journal, on YouthSpecialties.com, and Youth Worker Journal. He's written a couple books, uh, two of the most notable ones. Uh, he wrote a book called Youth Ministry in a Post-Christian World. Ha! Huh? Fits in very well with our podcast. Post-Christian Pastors, post, Post-Christian World Youth Ministry. He wrote that. And he also wrote a book called The Amazing Next. We're going to talk about that a little bit. He's launching a brand new ministry uh, based out of um, Washington, D.C. called Generations 514, whose aim is to develop next to develop next generation leaders. He's a busy guy. Awesome, yeah. So he stopped uh, his schedule to be with us here on the podcast. So welcome, Brock Morgan. How you doing? Oh, man, it's so good to be with you guys. Oh, we are excited to, to have you. How's D.C. right now? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. I, uh, I had to come in for this uh, time with you guys. So I'm a little upset. Sorry. Sorry we had to pull you off the porch <laughs> and uh, get you inside. But uh, we're really excited to have you on the podcast. And um, I wanted to start out by just asking you the question. You wrote a book called Youth Ministry in a Post-Christian World. The title of this podcast is post Christian pastors, and uh, we have taken up that topic of looking at what does it look like to live for Jesus in a world that's post-Christian. So tell us about the book that you wrote called Youth Ministry in a Post-Christian World and why you chose to write that book. Well, you know, um, as you know, Mark, I uh, I mean, I've been in youth ministry for so long. Normally, uh, guys my age are uh, are there's maybe insurance salesmen by this time. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know, but uh, or they've moved on to become quote unquote real pastors. You get a uh, real job, right? So I I have this calling for youth, but because of that, you know, I've been in it for forever now, and I've really I started to see and notice things that was different. The programs and. Man, the 90s were like the, uh, man, it was amazing times of youth ministry. You would, you know, put on a uh, a Nintendo 64 or something back then, maybe (laughs) an Atari (laughs) or something, and buy some pizza, and hundreds of kids would show up. And uh, every Wednesday night, we were leading kids to Jesus, no problem. I would just talk about the gospel, and kids were like, man, I'm in. Like, I want to be in. But I noticed things maybe not working nearly as well as as they used to work. I noticed students, when they would ask me questions, my answers weren't sufficing. They weren't sufficient. Um, their follow-up questions were loaded. Hmm. Uh, they would look at me a little differently. I noticed that I... the. I noticed that my ministry was not nearly as effective, and so I had to figure out what was going on. And so... Um, I was doing youth ministry in California, in the in Southern California for years. We moved to the Northwest for a number of years, and then we moved to New England, where uh, and the Northwest and the and New England and the Northeast are just immersed in post Christianity. And so I did ministry there, and uh, so you did ministry in the corners of the country, and in, in way up in Oregon, and then way up in in uh, the Northeast, way, way up in uh, Connecticut. So those are kind of the hotbeds of post-Christian culture, right, in America. Right. So I had no 
I had no, I wasn't trying to write a book. <laughs> right. You know, I actually was asked to co- go speak at a, at an event at some of the things I was seeing. And uh, I spoke for a little bit, got off the stage, and a couple uh, publishers came up to me, approached me, and said, man, you've got to turn this into a book. And so really, it was just, oh, okay. And it was just me writing down what I was seeing and what I humbly thought would be the way forward. Cool. What, what were some of the pieces of that, of what you saw as post-Christian? Well, I mean, as you guys know, post-Christianity really is... It sounds like a scary word, right? But it's it isn't it isn't so scary, but really it's just that it's a culture that is emerging as the Christian faith is losing coherence. And then and we see that. People are like, "Hey, explain to me the faith." And they're like, eh, "I'm not sure." Um, <laughs> I even I even did a parents meeting not long ago and I said uh, and there were kids in the room too. Uh, and and so it was I said, "Hey, parents, turn to your uh, children right now and just tell them in two minutes about the cross. Why did Jesus go to the cross? And they, uh, parents could not answer the question. Wow. Um, and so we're, you know, we're seeing it definitely losing coherence. And also part of post-Christianity is just the sense that the voices that once shaped the nation or the world that was Christian is no longer the prominent voice. Yeah. And so that is obvious. We're seeing it. People who are a debate against that with me, I'm always like, really? really? Like, you yeah. know, so I just think yeah. that the dangerous, radical, die to self, pick up your cross kind of faith has lost its steam in American culture. Hey, so, yeah. Brock, I want to ask you a question. This is Marv Nelson. Uh, you, you know, you said that the, the main voice is no longer a Christian voice, which I, you know, we totally agree with. What would you say uh, is now 2016? What are teenagers listening to as their main voice that's helping shape the culture around them, just so we can understand? Well, it's a different world. Uh, It's a completely different world. Uh, If you look at, you know, media and how the world is networked, we have a networked culture. And and so, you know, media is a pervasive, strong, ever-present voice in the life of kids. And so... Um, that's been, that's been huge. But then also like in my town, every freshman in our public high schools takes a class called the myth of creation. Hmm. And, um, so schools are literally teaching our, our town basically breeds agnostics. And so, you know, when you, DC, you're talking about DC, this was in, uh, this is Greenwich, Connecticut, but the same class is being taught to our uh, DC kids right now. And so, um, it's, it's, it's pervasive. It's everywhere they turn, they look, you know, it, but the world is different, isn't it? I mean, yeah. think, think about. It's different when I was a kid. Cause I had like three channels <laughs> <laughs> on my TV, black and white. Exactly. And Mark still has a flip phone. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> At least he you know. upgraded to the razor. I, mean. <laughs> I have a razor flip phone or a Blackberry, <laughs> but you know, the, the faith just doesn't jive with culture today. Right. If you, if you really think about it. Kids now are living in a culture of immediacy. Everything is instantaneous. When I was a kid, if my teacher gave me a book report to do, I would walk to the library uphill <laughs> both ways through the snow. You know, I'd get there. You forgot your library card. Catalog, you had to go back. 
right? the card catalog. You remember yeah. card, card catalog? catalog. Yeah. Card catalog. Crazy. I could never figure that dang thing out. <laughs> Pre Google. And then you know you finally find the right book, but then you get to the place and it's not there. Some idiot kid <laughs> took it before you, so or, or moved it, to moved yeah. it to another section. Hey, didn't understand the Dewey Decimal System. Right? Exactly. <laughs> like, Kids today push that. the button immediate, yeah. immediate information, but, immediate immediacy, and that doesn't jive with a faith that says if you want to know the Lord. You've got to wait on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to be still and know God. That's correct. That isn't that isn't that isn't that's a different world than the world I grew up in. Yeah. Waiting all I did was wait, man. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have fast food when I was a kid. Well now they have fast passes at Disney World, right? I mean you could get to the front of the line it's with crazy. a fast pass. You yep. just right? paid five hundred extra. The only thing slow and still that's still slow is baseball games. That's the only thing that's slow anymore. That's why baseball is a great sport. I know. That's why we have to teach our kids baseball. I just, I just go to baseball <laughs> games down. and eat the hot dogs. They, <laughs> Brock, I got a question for you. This is Mike. What excites you about the the generation that's coming up? Well, there's a lot that excites me because this generation really is, they're dying for a life worth living. Yeah. They want to be, it's what Kenda Creasy Dean uh, said about this generation, that they're longing for transcendence. They Mm. want to be a part of something bigger than themselves, and they're not seeing much of that in the church. And so I think that Man, I feel like the church has to get back to what the church is supposed to do. We really need to be a, a sending church, not a sitting church. And yeah. they're tired of sitting in the rows. Hmm. Even at youth group, they, they go once a year, they go maybe on a mission trip, and they actually do the faith. But then they go back to youth group, they go back to the church, and they sit for another year. Yeah. And so, so I just, I feel like we have to get back to being a sending church, a serving church, a church that actually prepares kids to do the faith. And the best way to do that is on the job training like Jesus did. I mean, he really knew what he was doing. Yeah, you, you think? Yeah. You think? He's only God. <laughs> he kind of knew what he was doing. Yeah. Kind of. But the cool thing is, is that kids aren't showing up. Yeah. That's a good thing because youth pastors are going, oh, crap, we got to Maybe we're not doing it right. And that sometimes that shakes us up a little bit. Like, okay, and, and we get away from the entertainment model, oh, the attractional model, and it causes us to get back to the gospel. And the gospel has survived generation after generation after generation because it's good and it's true and it works. Yeah. Hey, Brock, this is John Price. Uh, one of the things yeah. that you mentioned before, just in passing, was the idea of of parents sitting around and talking to their kids about the cross and that you had you know parents who, who didn't know what to say um, and that some of the things you've been saying since then one of the things that we've heard from people in our podcast as we've talked to people is this idea of a um, a more robust deeper understanding of, of Christianity and do you see a something coming out of kind of a a period where maybe we weren't as robust in the church and as as deep as maybe we should have been, that we're kind of reaping some of those rewards, so to speak, in terms of, you mentioned these parents and other things, in terms of the current generation? Oh, definitely. I think for the last 20-plus years, the church has been about good advice, not good news. Hmm, that's good. That's great. And, and so I just— That'll preach. <laughs> yeah, well, that'll yeah. preach! <laughs> Preach it, brother. And so I do think that, you know, every point starts with uh, the same letter, and it's all really good advice, <laughs> but it's not grounded in Top 10 the tips of to... the Scripture. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there has so to I, be a deeper theology is what you're saying. And, you know, kid, it doesn't have to be boring. Deeper doesn't mean boring. Right, right. right. You know, it isn't boring. It's, in fact, it, the gospel bids me to come, mm-hmm. and it's a movement. And that is what kids are longing for. And when they get a glimpse of it, man, kids have always been this way. Look at how easily Hitler recruited kids. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. There's always, it's always been or ISIS. a part of a movement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you now, now, you know, we asked, obviously we talked about how the world has changed around kids, but some of those basic things of kids, of teenagers, young adults, those things have stayed the same longings, the same desires for their life. Those things have stayed the same, uh, even though the world around them has changed. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you listen to, uh, the the longings of it of the generation and it's always it's not it when you when you hear when you actually listen to kids you go okay yeah that's right this is the longings of humanity yeah they're longing to belong they're longing for purpose they're longing for meaning they're they're longing to make a difference yeah uh they want and many times what they've heard about i think a lot of things what we have to do is talk about what the gospel isn't yeah because man there's there's a lot of confusion uh they get caught in the mud of what culture and how culture perceives or maybe worse how the church has allowed themselves to be viewed as it's really caused a lot of confusion in the hearts minds and souls of kids and so when i talk to kids today it is an uphill battle to get them to become or to think about calling themselves yeah. a Christian because, man, that word is loaded. Right. It's loaded. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, Brock, do I? Man, I love what you're saying. And if it's true, like, I'm interested, but I can't become a Christian because then I'd have to, I'd have to hate my gay friends. Yeah. I'd have to, I'd have to believe that God is an angry, judgmental God. I'd have to be vote Republican. I man, dude, I'd have to vote for Trump. <laughs> man, <are> you <laughs> we were just so, talking about that before we came you know, on the air. You know, Brock, and you make a good point earlier on. You said how media driven this generation is, and kind of how that has shaped their worldview. And I think that that media does shape a a negative world worldview of Christianity, uh, you know, and, and so they have these these worries. Obviously, some of us uh, don't make it any, uh, you know, any harder for them to, to, to say anything different than what the negativity that's been out there in the media. But how, how do you com- combat that? I mean, I, I like your, your point of serving. You know, I work with college students, and we are consistently trying to push them out to, to serve, to see their jobs as places where they can live the gospel, as well as go out into our community and serve purposefully, um, bringing the gospel through their hands, not just their mouth, and speaking it. But but how do you combat that media-driven anti-Christianity piece? I think many pastors and many people who work with this generation would, would really hang on those words from you. Well, I one thing I've, I've tried to do is kids is to go back to what Mark just said, what are the longings of students? And that really helps pinpoint the direction I need to go because God answers these longings that we all live with. Amen. And so, and so for us, kids are longing for a God. One of the things that kids are longing for, do they want to be a part of something transcendent? Yes. They, so that what does that mean? We get our hands dirty. That means we're on our feet. We're not sitting in rows. We're actually doing the faith. But it also means 
like I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's from uh, uh, Europe, and I said, man, what are, because they've been post-Christian forever. It was in the yeah. 1950s that C.S. Lewis said, we are living in a post-Christian world, and he was right. really talking about Europe. And and so I asked my buddy, like, dude, what are what are you seeing? What are some inroads? And he said, you know what people are longing for here in post-Christian Europe? They want a God who's real. Yeah. They want a God who they can experience, who they can interact with, who they can know. And for us, we go, dude, that's we, how long have we been talking about that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Yeah. And yet, for many of us, we are freaked out by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We're freaked out by um, actually having a faith-filled faith, you know? And yeah. so, for us, it was back to, like, for our—when I moved to uh, Connecticut, our students were so anti-Jesus and anti-Christianity that it really threw me for a loop. Like, I remember our— uh, our first youth group, it was get to know the youth pastor time, and I, I asked the youth group this question. It was my first, my first uh, Wednesday night. I said, hey, uh, kids, what do you guys love about your youth group? And this kid stood up, and he said, you know, the best thing about our youth group is that no one talks about Jesus here. Wow. We can, we can believe whatever we want to believe. Wow. <laughs> and Hello. I basically got, wanted to get in my car Hello. and drive back to California. <laughs> <laughs> back to the spiritual haven of California. You know, I, I like, exactly. I like what you said. It was that bad. Man. Just one last point about that, what you had said, this, the, the transcendent God, this, this experiential God. One of the things I've seen uh, you know, with, with college students that they desire to know, that they want a God that they can know, uh, kind of similar to what you're saying, but they also have a desire to be known by God, um, where they can confess their stuff and, and bring things into the light and experience His healing in the midst of of that and their brokenness and finding Him meeting them in their brokenness. Because many times they fear that if they're open about their brokenness, that God will be that judgmental God, like, get out of here, and the church, you know, hasn't been helpful in that. But it's been really cool to see many students, in in my experience at the University of Pittsburgh and Carnegie Mellon, really allowing themselves to be known and receiving the love and grace from our community um, in a tangible way. Exactly. That's it. That's exactly it. Last week, I was uh, at youth group, the, uh, the youth pastor there. I'm a volunteer at a national community church, and I lead a group of high school guys. And um, we after the, the talk, we get into our small groups, and I ask our these guys, I'm like, where are you guys at? And every single one of them are plagued by anxiety, hmm. stress. There's this constant pit in their stomach. And we have a generation, and I think it has to do with burning the wick at both ends, constantly having your cell phone in your hand, constantly mm-hmm. feeling the pressure of the yeah. world. Got to get more likes. Buying, buying lies, you know. And so... What is it? What is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life? Well, it's called fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, self-control. Dude, I could use some of that stuff. You could. I know <laughs> I, you. You could use a lot of self-control. I could definitely use some of that stuff, especially self-control when I'm hanging out with Mark. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't blame it on me. So, You know, that's you a like, common take, theme. You take, from you take responsibility friends. for your own sin. All right. So so let me ask you this really quick, because we're going to bring Travis on here in a minute. Um, what is what is the amazing next? So you wrote a book called The Amazing Next. What is The Amazing Next? And why that title? What is? What are you trying to get across there to 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 the next generation? Well, the amazing next is are two things. The first off, it's a book. Um, this guy by the name of Marco Stryker, he's a uh, one of the things he is is a he owns a publishing company, and he uh, asked me if I'd be interested in writing a book for graduates, and I was like, heck, no! <laughs> are you the book me? no one ever reads. That's, That's funny. It's I got sitting like on their table when they graduate from when I graduated, college. And I don't think I opened one of them. <laughs> but he's like, dude, what if you wrote a book that kids would actually? read and it would launch them into what's next in their life. Instead of the next thing that they do is go away to college and lose their faith, what if we could equip kids? What if we could have a resource for students, for youth workers, parents to buy students so that they could take this handbook that could inspire them, inform them, and also entertain them, um, but, but be a resource for them as they go into the next phase of life. And so, man, that motivated me. So I wrote this book, The Amazing Next. Uh, it's done. It came out about a year ago. It's done really well. And kid, I'm getting emails from students all over the country who are reading it going, man, this is exactly what I needed for my college years. That's, good. Um, that's been super cool. And then we just turned The Amazing Next into a conference. And so we we're booking all over the country, um, different regions, and what are the what are the pieces the of that? What are the pieces of that? Like, what are you trying? What are some of the things you teach people in the Amazing Next? Yeah, so the Amazing Next uh, conference, similar to the book, is it's it's highly uh, intellectual. Kids are thinkers. Information is, like I said, a push of the button, and so it's it's vital that they know that the the faith is reasonable. It's intellectual. It's not, you don't have to, as Josh McDowell said, check your brains at the door in order to open your life up to Christ. That's and an old so reference. I love it. Yeah, that's that's for you, Mark. But thank you. So, flashbacks. It's, it's, when some people uh, think I had a mullet. <laughs> so did. it's intellectual. It's also deeply spiritual because kids are longing, like we said, for a God who's real. And so it's a conference that's intellectual, spiritual, but then it's also a commissioning. It's a sending out. And really, there's youth worker training at it. There's uh, amazing stuff for students. And the goal is that youth groups leave the conference going, dude, we just can't function the same anymore. Cool. Hmm. And it's a, it's rather than a, a one-off, it's the beginning of a new journey for whole youth ministries. Cool. Well, hey, Brock, we're going to bring Travis Deans here in in a minute and uh, have you both on at the same time. But before we do, I'm going to play a little game with you. Um, you have lived on both coasts, as you mentioned. You lived in San Diego, which is my favorite town in America, other than Pittsburgh and and Cleveland's Cleveland. way down at the bottom. Like Cleveland's yeah. way yeah. down. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh doesn't even compare to San Diego. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. You You've been to Pittsburgh. Like you love Pittsburgh. You've been here with me. You love it. 
Um, so because he was with you, that's <laughs> what Pittsburghers do. So they just make you love it. They make a, you love it. Yeah. So West Coast, you've lived in San Diego, and you and you've lived in Oregon, but you've also lived on, in Greenwich, Connecticut, on the East Coast. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do and a little. DC, DC want, is East Coast. Too, DC, but, that's right. DC is East Coast. So I'm gonna do a little <laughs> West Coast. Right. I'm gonna do a little West Coast versus East Coast. West Coast, right? Is that? East Coast. I don't West think side. you should ever do that. Again. That was <laughs> that was a thing. See, I don't understand who, who was on the West. Because is that like straight out of Compton? Huh? That Tupac, was Tupac. Tupac. The LBC. Long Beach. Huh? The LBC. LBC. Long Beach. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you were right there, man. You were right there. I missed that whole fret stage. Because you're I don't from know. Pittsburgh. Yeah. I don't know who's no on the East Coast, who's on the West Coast. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask you West Coast versus East Coast. You tell us which one's better and why. All right. You ready? So I'm going to okay. give you. I'm going to give you a certain category. You tell me which one's better. This on the West Coast or on the East Coast. You ready? All right, so here we go. These guys are going to help me out. So here we go. Number one, food. Food on the West Coast or the East Coast? Oh, dude. Well, uh, all right, so the tacos are better on the West Coast, but I'm going to say generally the food on the East Coast is better. Wow, that surprised me. Why? Why did you say that? You got New York City. uh, Oh, yeah. That's insane. Amazing chefs. I mean, Bobby Flay is in New York. You got to go with that. Boom, Bobby Flay. Next one is sports teams. Sports teams, West Coast or East Coast. Well, everyone knows that it's neither. It's 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 called uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, oh my well, god! See, that's not that's a whole other country. <laughs> uh, Tony Romo, the great country of Texas. Uh, yeah, I told you he hey, was. You a... know what? I'm excited about the L.A. Rams. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh, well, that's, I, I can't West, agree uh, with you there. Dallas Cowboys. We beat them twice. In Brock, the Super Bowl. what about entertainment? Entertainment, West Coast or East Coast? Oh, please. We're going West Coast. Come West on. Coast. Uh, Why? Because you got New York City on the East Coast. You got plays, culture. Why do you go to entertainment on the West Coast? Why? Are you kidding me? Come on. <laughs> I don't even need to answer this. No. All right. You number four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, surfing, West Coast or East Coast? Oh, boy. Come on. <laughs> you know what he has to say. Do you even have to ask that question? It's not even a... It's not even, I mean, West Coast, the waves are insane. I mean, we live two blocks from the beach in San Diego. I surfed every night. Dude, come on. Uh, okay. All right. All right. So here we go. Number five, teenagers. West Coast teenagers or East Coast teenagers? Oh, come on. They're all great. Oh, <laughs> you sound nice. like a politician. You sound like a politician. Pandering to the audience. They're all the same, man. Pandering to the audience who said that. All right, and number six. Someone asked number six. Churches, West Coast or East Coast? <laughs> East Coast. You guys just shouldn't do we, that. We, we throw down, right, the churches. Really? All right, churches, right. churches, West Coast or East Coast? Huh, are you kidding me? <laughs> Don't you know that there's a big C church? <laughs> oh, there it is. All right. Nice, good answer, good answer. Good nice, answer. nice answer. All right, well, listen, we're going to take a short break. So, Brock, hang on. And then we're going to bring Travis Deans in here on Post-Christian Pastors. Don't go anywhere. Alright guys, here we are and uh, cruising along with Brock Morgan and bringing into the conversation 
is our own Pittsburgh Travis Deans, and we're excited about him coming on. And Super T. Super T. Let me, uh, let me tell you. Some people call him. Yeah. Let me tell you. Let <laughs> like me tell you a little you. bit about Travis Deans. Travis is the Western Pennsylvania. He's the Dean of Youth Ministry. He's the Dean of Youth Ministry. <laughs> he is the Travis Deans of Youth Ministry. Uh, uh, he is the Western Pennsylvania coordinator for the National Network of Youth Ministries. He's a campus ministry trainer with Teens for Christ an organization that helps students share their faith in their schools. And he's also a part-time youth pastor in Uniontown, Pennsylvania, home of one of my favorite retreat centers in the world, Jamonville uh, Retreat mm. Center. And his yes. nickname, his nickname I, I'm just going to give him the nickname, his nickname is the Holy Spirit, because everywhere <laughs> you go, that's where Travis is. Wow. Just like the Holy Spirit, wow. Travis is there everywhere. Everywhere I go, Travis Deans is either there or involved in it somehow. You could have called you? him Santa Claus. Well, maybe he's chose- Santa Claus. <laughs> Holy Spirit. I'm trying That's, to woo. keep it keep it Christian. <laughs> so welcome, Travis. How are you? Hey, good. Thanks, guys. So you, uh, you glad to be with you. Are you uncomfortable with the nickname Holy Spirit? I would be. Oh, uh, very. <laughs> would you rather have be called Super T? Super T. Oh, that's better. Or the there dean or the dean of youth ministry. The dean of youth ministry. I like that. That's a good name. <laughs> So we got some questions for you, Travis. Welcome. We're glad you agreed to come on and excited to have you here. And yeah, you've been working with teenagers for a long time, and you're right in the thick of it with working with this next generation, young adults and teenagers and all that kind of stuff. So we've got some questions for you. So you guys want to get them up? Travis, first question for you is this. Uh, what concerns do you have for the next generation, or what are some of the bright spots that you see with them coming up? Well, I mean, my perspective is uh, I, I work with a parachurch ministry, so, whereas, you know, a young life would work with kids who, you know, don't go to church at all, or probably no church involvement, I work a good bit with church kids um, and, you know, helping them to learn how to share their faith with their friends at school. And so, uh, if, you know, if you're familiar with uh, Greg Steer, Dare to Share, any of the stuff that he does, I do a lot of the same kind of things. Um, so, from that perspective... I see a lot of bright spots because I see kids actually willing to share their faith, mm. talk about their faith in an environment that you might think uh, they, they really wouldn't want to. Um, I see, you know, see kids doing some creative things, some fun things, uh, just finding ways to to talk about Jesus that isn't weird. Mm. Um, and that's, I mean, we we work hard to help them do that, but um, but I've seen kids, you know, take the gospel message. And just run with it, showing, showing God's love to their friends at school. Um, I, you know, I always say if if a student can live out their faith at school, it's probably a genuine faith, right? Because anybody can live the faith at church, right? But if you can do it in that environment, uh, it's probably real. And also, you know, if they can share their faith at school, they're probably going to be able to do it anywhere the rest of their lives. Hmm. Uh, I mean, um, at best, school is apathetic and. Sometimes it's just downright hostile. Right. Um, sure. So we've seen that, and then you know, as far as what concerns me, I you know, in my own uh, youth ministry, my church, and and with students that I work with at uh, campus ministries, you know, just do a lot to try to encourage them about why we believe what we believe. Um, you know, I think for a while, apologetics became something that we didn't feel was real necessary. But I think it's becoming necessary again because uh, everything we believe is um, 
being called into question, we're starting to feel. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Travis, you are on a podcast called Post Christian Pastors. So, right. you know, I don't know if you've heard the podcast yet, but we really talk about what it's like. And, and Brock was talking about it too here early on before you came on was like what it's like to live in a post Christian culture. S- culture. Now, yeah. now there is obviously there is still a very strong Christian influence in our culture, but the people driving or the, the, the narrative driving the culture is not Christian. Right. Yeah. Travis, hey. I, I'm, I'm interested in asking you a question about resources. I mean, you're talking about this whole issue of, of apologetics and needing to really push the faith and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, have answers to questions and things like that. Uh, what, what are some resources out there that you have seen that, that help along that, that you're excited about uh, sharing? And I know of a good book with that someone students. could use for this. <laughs> now, now, hold on. Can I, can I push back a little bit while you guys are saying this? Like, I like what you're saying. But I think my, I think my fear is that, and I don't think you're saying this, is that, is that you're not learning apologetics so you can win an argument with somebody. Exactly. No. Because nobody really is argued into the kingdom of God. Usually, there's, you know, um, so I, I'm trying to. You're asking about resources, yeah, but, and, and Travis, I'm trying to. I just want to know why you think that apologetic is so important. Is, is it that if well, you if you don't spend time in that apologetic, you're going to give up your faith on your own because you don't you haven't thought it through in your well, head. I think it's what Brock said. You need to have both an experience based and also a thought base for your faith. And right. so it is the thought side of of developing your own faith, but also being able to answer questions that people might have. And I think you know in terms of you asked about resources, I think we need to develop, to develop some new resources. Yeah. Uh, because I agree like the said. amazing next. <laughs> <laughs> and what good is Jesus? I would say that that would be an amazing resource. <laughs> <laughs> I love this shameless self-promotion on this show. Seriously. It's awesome. I love it. It's like we should get paid for product placement. Like <laughs> we, need, we need something that's different because right, we're not, it's not about winning arguments anymore. We're, we're not. You know, we know that's not important. Yeah, and we I think did. that's what it was in the past, though. Right. That's what I mean. That was the that problem. Sense. I love apologetics personally, but I think in the past it was, I'm going to win an argument with you, and you're going to follow and become a believer of Christ because I want to right. Jesus. Yes, I beat you down with my argument. But, you know, even like uh, you know, Josh McDowell, who you know, in the 80s and 90s, he was the, you know, the apologetics master or whatever. Uh, I mean, he's changed his approach. You know, he talks mm-hmm. about his relationship with his father. He talks about the difference that that Christ made in his life, emotionally and spiritually. Uh, it's you know, it's not just he's not just beating people down with facts and arguments. You know, he's mm-hmm. he realizes a new approach is needed, and I think we, uh, you know, we need to spend more time. How you know how do we how do we help live uh, help students live out uh, not just uh, not just make arguments, but know why we believe and live out what we believe so that their lifestyle is the argument. You know, like the whole thing with, um, you know, if you disagree with anybody today, you hate them. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so, I mean, I've been thinking about how do I, how do I help my students deal with that? You know, they, they're being, uh, (laughs) I want to know how to help my children deal with that. How am I going to help my children who are, they're very young right now, but how am I going to help them learn? How am I going to help them understand that their, their mother and father do not hate people even though we may disagree with them. Um, and so we, we kind of need a new apologetic in a way. Um, right. 
well, less confrontational. by how we live our lives. Right. Yeah. Well, let me ask Brock. You're you're still with us, right? Hello, Brock. Yep, I'm here. So, Brock and, and Travis, I want you to weigh in on this too. Is like, what is your advice that you would give to? Because uh, I, you know, we've talked about youth pastors and things like that. But if you spend any time in youth ministry and you're a, and you're anybody worth your paycheck in youth ministry, you realize that parents huge paycheck. Huge. Huge. You would realize that you are not the main voice in a kid's life. Parents are really their main voice. So Still, yep. starting with you, Brock, and then Travis, like what is your advice for parents who might be listening to this podcast, raising kids who might be little kids? I have little kids. My oldest is ten, but you know, he's beginning to interact with culture a lot more how would you what are some of the advice you would give to parents trying to help their kids process all that's going on in our culture right now yeah for sure and again this is brock um you know for me when i became a dad i had been a youth pastor for quite a few years so i knew how to be a youth pastor but i was freaked out about being a a father (laughs) and so for me, I realized, wait a second, I could be, what if I were just a youth pastor at home? You know? And so for me, big advice for parents, be a pastor at home. What does that mean? Good. If I'm a youth now pastor... Now that scares the heck out of a lot of people, so yeah, it does. clarify yeah. that. Yeah, you yeah, better so break that down. That. <laughs> what, are, what are good youth pastors do? Well, we're creating environments where students experience God's warmth. We're, we're uh, coming up with activities that cause us to grow closer to together. We're creating environments where we're sharing our hearts and our lives to, with each other. We're, we're getting volunteers for the banana eating contest. These are things that we are doing. In your house. At, I love it. Home. I love a little banana eating for contest. me, I went, I could be a youth pastor at home. I could plan trips where we are serving people together. We're, we're caring for the needy. We, I could do Bible studies with us as a family. We could do times, we could do prayer walks. We could, uh, we're, I'm going to be a youth pastor at home. And what has happened mm. is I haven't left my faith when I've entered the door. That's I've good. realized, wait a second, I'm walking into the door. God, God fill me with your spirit, empower me mm-hmm. to actually pastor really well at home. Yeah, Deuteronomy 6, right? There you go. <laughs> Travis, what about you? Yeah, and I would just say uh, there's, there's probably, uh, Brock, you know, if I could just summarize, you're saying bring the church home. Uh, and then on the flip side, make sure you bring your home to church. Uh, make sure that's a priority. Sure. I, th- I think now more than ever, I mean, church has always been important, but uh, now more than ever, man, we need each other. Um, I My kids go to Awana on Wednesday nights, and I they're, they're, they're little, but goodness, I am so thankful for those people who are speaking into my kids' lives because, um, you know, on, uh, I know my failings as a parent. I know where I mess up and screw up, and I'm like, thank God there's other adults they can see who follow Jesus besides me. <laughs> yeah, right. um, no, I, exactly. I, I want them to see me following Jesus, and Brock, I love what you just said. That's that so encouraging, so good. My kids are uh, six, four, and two, and I can see the impact that they are having on my kids, and because I'm so thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Brock and Travis, I got a question for you. Every once in a while, I'll run into a parent who will have, they kind of bought into this uh, this thought that they don't want to force their faith on their kids. They're mm-hmm. like, ooh, uh, you know, I don't want to proselytize them or, you know, make them believe. And so they let them make their own decisions. Yeah, they let them make their own their, decisions. They go to and church or, part of me wants they don't to do that grab any other part of their lives. Yeah, yeah. yeah, part of me wants to say that. Guys, like, do you do that we'll for We'll play school? on the soccer yeah. team. <laughs> 
Do you do that for school? Do you do that for the sports teams? Do you do that for do they make their beds or not? I mean, do you give them the freedom to choose every? How would you respond to that if a parent, you know, said to you, you know, I don't want to force. And I know there's a pocket there. We don't want to over over choose for them. But there's we cannot invest, you know, because we're afraid to, to maybe step too strongly in there. What advice would you give to a parent that is afraid of, you know, choosing for their kids? I hear that a lot, especially these days, Mm -hmm. and especially from parents who had a bad experience growing up or didn't have a church experience at all growing up, and they don't understand. Which is more and more people. Oh, it's more and more people, so they don't catch this idea of, man, it's so vital to what Travis said, that I'm partnering, partnering with other adults. And what that does is it creates pathways for our kids. If they don't have other people in their lives who love Jesus... They're not seen because what happens is they they go to school and they're like, no one loves Jesus at school. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't know anyone who's following Jesus. And then we're saying, yeah, and I guess you don't have to go to church either, which means they have no pathways into adulthoods, no models that help them have this journey into uh, a sustainable faith. It's just a lack of investment, right? You just don't invest into that whole dimension of your child. Exactly. Do you think some of it comes out of fear for, for parents? I mean, mm. particularly we talk about how there are fewer and fewer parents who have maybe grown up in the church or had um, had had parents themselves who modeled that for them. Uh, some of it, I think, when I, in my experience, it's, it's out of fear, and I think it reiterates that we need to do a better job of, of, of not just training kids, but also training parents or mentoring parents. No, oh, it's... Get? It, that is the biggest thing that I think the youth pastors, honestly, what happens is, is youth pastors get out of the game before they have a voice into the, the parents' lives. Yeah. You know, when you're 23, no parent is listening to you. Like, <laughs> Amen a, to that. Course, <laughs> they're, like, they're like, pat you on the head and be like, thanks for hanging out with my kids, but you can't right. tell me anything. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually gotten lasagna. that. <laughs> I was, I mean, uh, I, I, my heroes are older youth workers because they are speaking into the lives of parents and they are loving kids. And it, you have the... It's you have the benefit of both. That's great. Nice. I had a, a question. Something that's been kind of a, on on my mind, Brock and Travis, for both of you. You know, one of the ways that we teach in church many times is is to strictly one one way that people hear or understand the gospel. For example, I mean, Gary Thomas wrote a book called Sacred Pathways: Discovering Your Soul's Path to God. And as we're moving into the millennial generation, more and more millennials are connecting to God on a different level. So there's the intellectual, there's the student, there's the naturalist, the aesthetic. That they, they they connect to God in different ways. How can we um, bring about these different pathways? Or have you guys even thought about this uh, in bringing the gospel to millennials? How, how can we integrate the different pathways uh, to connect students to God in the way that they best connect to Him? You know, this summer I'm I'm doing uh, several different things with my students. Uh, I mean, we're going to be we're going to spend a lot of time outside. We're going to do a lot of stuff in outdoors and. We're going to try and connect uh, kids to uh, to their relationship with God through just nature. Um, I try to I try to uh, I took some students to a sports uh, outreach event a couple months ago because I have kids that 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 would you know speak to their hearts. Um, yeah. I take kids to concerts because for some kids music is powerful. Um, you know, just try to uh, you know as a parent or as a youth worker, you know, just I think taking advantage of different opportunities that we have. Uh, to for them to experience different things is valuable, 
And, uh, you know, um, in this area, you know, Western Pennsylvania, but it's such a beautiful area. There's a million ways to um, help kids experience Christ in different ways. Uh, and certainly, I mean, you know, serving. I have a friend who, right. he takes kids down to the YWAM in Pittsburgh, um, and they, they work with uh, refugees um, in, that live in the city of Pittsburgh. And I'm telling you, they experience Christ in a powerful and unique way, helping yeah. people who can't even speak our language. Um, so, right. you know, it's intentional creating of those opportunities, I think. And I, I think that self-actualization is the key for a parent. You've got to have, I mean, that's our goal. We want our kids to be self-actualized, which means they understand themselves. Yeah. How do I, why did I do what I just did? I mean, how many times, even me as an, a, gr- a grown man, someone goes, Brock, why did you do that? And I'm like, I have no, I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know. I asked my kids that a lot. Self-actualized is key. And there's a lot of ways that you can do that, but it's vital know. that we know how we best connect with people, how we best connect with God. Exactly. And I think that, you know, that's something that we've not done well. All right, guys, before we uh, wrap up this, uh, this segment, uh, what's one funny story that each of you have about working with teens? Something that just, you, you, it's your go-to story, something that you just will never forget. <laughs> I, this, this, this is the first thing that comes to my mind. I, uh, <laughs> I walked into a school to meet with some students at their, their campus ministry, and I had my, my six, or well, at the time she was, uh, four, and uh, and so I was just gonna you know hang out, meet with them, talk with them, but they they were running the meeting, and uh, so uh, they start to they you know, I made you know I just talked to them a few minutes. Then they, they today we're talking about sex. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, okay, guys, I'm gonna go now. Uh, <laughs> uh, you guys enjoy your conversation. I'm gonna take my daughter and see you later. You obviously have experience. <laughs> <laughs> but Travis, you had the most experience in the room. <laughs> you were experienced. <laughs> earmuffs, honey. Earmuffs. Hopefully, hopefully, Travis had the most experience in the room. That's hope. <laughs> you never know with kids in the puberty these days. I know. You just wanted to say the word puberty. You just wanted to say puberty. <laughs> All podcast. Brock, what about you? Do you want a puberty story? Yes. <laughs> yes. I no. can tell a puberty no. story. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know Mark's Mark's oldest son is is getting close. All right, yeah, yeah. go ahead. All right. So when I was in middle school, I uh, had a buddy who had one pit hair, <laughs> and it was twelve inches long. No. Oh man! <laughs> Did he make it in the Guinness another, Book? I, mean, I had another friend whose name was Kenny, and he had no pit hair in his right arm, <laughs> and his left arm was full. <laughs> Full, like full on, full. The best is that boys thing. know this. Yeah. Like, this is so like totally a guy's podcast today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you have any funny stories of working with teenagers? Do you have any funny stories of working with teenagers? Well, you know, I, I, I told you about the story of, of our first youth group when they said, uh, you know, we love our youth group because no one. Well, talks that's about not funny. <laughs> I'll tell you my most awkward. Uh, about a month later, I thought, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain the cross, and then I'll invite them to partake in communion. And so I uh, explain the cross. I invite them to partake communion, and uh, but I'm so, so my wife and I are up front. We're like, hey, when you're ready, come on down, and we'll uh, serve you communion. And no one came down. Wow. Mm. 
no one moved. Like, it was awkward. It was like, okay, uh, let's go have pizza. Uh, <laughs> most awkward youth ministry you moment. Hide the life. communion in the pizza. <laughs> That's right. What are the we having to drink blood. with the pizza today? Oh, grape juice. <laughs> <laughs> maybe what? I That's an odd combination. I should have served wine. That may have yeah. been. <laughs> <laughs> then you would have had a bunch of people come over. Well, hey, uh, I know Travis, I know you got to go. You have to go. So, um, I want to let you go, but Travis, is there anything uh, that we can let people know uh, where they can find you online or anything like that? Uh, 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 What you got going on? Uh, Yeah, if if you, uh, I got uh, two websites, uh, ninemonthmissiontrip.com. It's what we do to help students uh, share the faith in their schools. And uh, if you're someone in the Pittsburgh area, uh, ymbbpittsburgh.com, Youth Ministry Bulletin Board Pittsburgh. Just all kind of great, great things that are going on in the region for students, um, for youth ministries. But uh, yeah, you can catch up with me either place. It's anything and everything going on in the because that's Travis. That's right, exactly. Travis. All right, Travis. Hey, Santa thanks Claus. for thanks for being with us. Uh, we'll let you go, and Brock, we're we're, we're going to hang on to you. So take care, Travis. Thanks all for right, being thanks with guys. us. Thanks, all right, guys. Thanks, Travis. Travis. Bye. All right, so uh, that was great having Travis on. He's, he's I like uh, him. He was great. Told us some great stories and, and good stuff. So, so Brock, um, before we uh, finish up finish up with you, uh, I wanted to ask you a question about uh, leadership because what you're doing with Amazing Next and and your and your kind of what your dream is for that ministry is that you really develop leaders. So, what what's kind of your view on leadership and what kind of leaders do you really hope to create? Well, you know, I, I'm longing to see uh, open and humble leaders developed, not young, arrogant leaders. What the culture needs now are great listeners. What we need are uh, young leaders who are highly intellectual, humble, and wide open to the moving of God in, in culture. And so, um, yeah, so we're doing all kinds of things. We have a gap year uh, for college students that's getting ready to launch. We have our Amazing Next conference um, that's all about developing young leaders who are going to be salt and light and what that really means and, and looks like for students today. Um, and so we're, I'm, I'm excited about this generation. I know that all we hear are negatives, but I actually think that God uh, not only loves this generation, He actually believes in them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Brock. I mean, as a as a I'm a I'm a real pastor now, uh, having been in youth ministry for years. Uh, I don't think that way, but um, but I see a lot of you know younger millennials coming into uh, the church that I pastor, and man, I am I am very encouraged uh, by this rising generation of of of, of young people. Um, they like you said, they really have um, deep passions, and they're looking for. Uh, deep community and deep ways in which sh- and experiencing and showing their faith. I, I, exactly. I completely agree. No, I think they have great opportunities. I mean, I think there's oh, yeah. great opportunities mm-hmm. to yeah. spread the gospel and to really just really be a, an authentic follower of Jesus Christ in the midst of this culture. Um, I, think it, I think it's still going to have the impact that it had back in the first century in the pagan Roman culture where if we would truly get back to authentically living for Christ, it will be attractive yeah. in the culture, even though the culture mm. around it is totally pagan. Um, there was something about the Christians that 
that stood out and it was their compassion and their love and their care for each and other purpose and, make and for those who weren't even part right. of their group. Right. Um, and I love, I love telling kids today that they don't need permission. They don't need permission to make a difference in the world. They don't need permission to do works of justice. They don't need permission to reclaim the arts. They don't need permission to go into business and actually do it in a way that contributes to yeah. the world. They don't need permission. Awesome. Well, hey, Brock, um, that's a great uh, the great part to end on. And I, I want to, uh, before we let you go, we want to play our world-famous game called 10 Bad Questions. They're bad. Um, so world-famous gonna... might be an over-exaggeration. <laughs> that's, that's what you do in these things. You <laughs> over-exaggerate. Like, I can tell yeah. that you guys are in youth ministry. This is the second game. That yeah, <laughs> it's like Jimmy <laughs> Fallon. Right. It's, um, you know, you over-exaggerate everything because it's like, I've been in 10 coffee houses who have the world's best coffee. <laughs> so I'm so gonna, it's lying. Yeah, basically. So here we go. So this is world famous. No, this podcast is heard in different countries. Right. So Good all point. over the world. Good world point. famous. I'm not lying. Okay. International. I'm just stretching. <laughs> all right. So you ready, Block? We're going to play 10 bad questions. You ready? Do it. All right. I'm going to ask you question one. Then we're going to go around. And the guys are going to ask. So cue the music. Here we go. Question number one, Brock. First thing comes to your mind. Fish tacos or beef tacos? Oh, we're going fish. Ah, West Coast guy going with the, go. with the fish tacos. I'm going to, you guys, what about you? Come on, you got to answer right, too. I'll ask the number four. Oh, no, you got to answer. Oh, what, oh. Fish tacos or beef oh. tacos? Um, I like a little fish. You like a little fish a little taco? Fish. All right. Tasty. I despise seafood, so beef for Beef me. tacos. Fish tacos, beef fajitas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go beef tacos. I don't know why I asked everybody. This is supposed to be for I Brock. Bean, <laughs> bean tacos last night. Bean. <laughs> Yeah. So, that's horrible. I'm so. glad I'm not in the room with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so number two, would you rather run your fingers through Donald Trump's hair or, or Joel Olstein's hair? Oh, man, I, I really want to go through Donald's hair. I mean, oh. I, I got to figure it out. What is that? Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. That's, Donald's so. got a, quite a lead. We ask this of everybody. We yeah. ask everybody. So uh, question number three, you're in a time-traveling DeLorean. Where do you go? Ooh. <laughs> You have a time-traveling DeLorean. Where are you going? Or I'm gonna when? Go, uh, I'm going to go back to 1984 and see if I can find uh, Michael J. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of do the loop. There you go. Number four, where would you go to survive the zombie apocalypse, and what is your weapon of choice? Oh, my goodness, where really? Where would you go to survive the zombie apocalypse? Nerd alert. <laughs> yeah, well, I live in D.C., so I might be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> They always go there first. Get out of D.C. <laughs> I'm heading to the White House, man. You're going to the White House, so it's heavily guarded. It's it has heavily a bunker. guarded. Yeah. So there's probably You'll safe never if get I can in. figure out how to get That's in right. there. Exactly. And what's your weapon of choice? Uh, I think I'm going with uh, bug spray. Bug, bug spray? Yeah. Why bug spray? Oh, no, no. Signs? Maybe it's water. A glass of water. Why? From the movie Signs. That's not yeah. zombies. Okay, forget it. Then. What I are you no watching? Man, last week's <laughs> you, guest, ju- you just really offended Mark. Last yeah, week's you, guest had really thought this out. <laughs> yeah, because you, he's a geek. You, you, obviously, a comedian. you obviously died in the first five minutes of the apocalypse. <laughs> you are gone. All right, number five. If you had to get a face tattoo like Mike Tyson, what would it be? Oh, I'm getting the uh, teardrop. 
The teardrop. teardrop. No, Boom. it's got to be a whole face, though. You got to <laughs> get a big, whole big teardrop. Yeah, it's a big. <laughs> hey, you, you just said face tattoo. Don't be judging me. No, I yeah. said like Mike Tyson. You got to get around wrapped around well, he's there. Got kind of a he's got kind of a half face. So I'm yeah. going really big teardrop. I like it. Though. I like it. That's a lot of ink. Oh, uh, question, that's going to be awkward. <laughs> All right. Question number six. What is your order at Subway? Oh, it's the classic BMT. Ooh, oh, I can nice. like that too. What do you get on it? I get the lettuce, tomato, mayonnaise, mustard, some black olives, oil, vinegar, salt, and pepper. That's exactly what I had today for lunch. There you go. You picked That's it. hilarious. <laughs> Red John's mine. Question number seven. What is the worst Christian t-shirt you ever owned? This, uh, you know the old, uh, this bud is for you? I saw one that said, this blood is for you. No, no, no. Wait, That's worse than the Lord's uh, gym. Oh, man. You had this blood is for you shirt? And you wore it in public? Oh, I didn't wear that thing. Oh, <laughs> man, good, good. All right, number eight. Oh, number eight. If you could choose any year in the last 70 years to be a senior in high school, what year would you choose? So you can be a senior in high school in any year. What would you choose? Uh, wow. I'm going to go, you know, the 60s were interesting. I'm going late 60s, 1967. Nice. Ooh. You're a senior in high school in 1967. I know. Uh, which means you're going to <laughs> Vietnam. <laughs> Why would you pick that one? I'm, you just no, got I'm drafted into to, Vietnam. Uh, Ashbury in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I would choose? I would choose in the 50s. Like 1955, 56. Yeah, really to, really cool music. Greece. No, I, no I'm graduating at 18. Greece. Really, yeah, really cool hair, really cool cars, cool clothes. You get right out of high school You get married What do you think? Good. Yeah, you like that Alright, number nine You're 18 years old Pretend you're 18 years old So think back to when you were 18 years old What is playing in your Sony Walkman or Discman? Right now? I'm 18 right now No, <laughs> no, you're 18 Go back to when you were 18 what And you're listening to your my... Sony Walkman or your Discman What are you uh, listening probably, to? Probably uh, Bon Jovi Yeah <laughs> Right. Got a little Bon Jovi playing. Nice. <laughs> nice, classy. Nice. Bon Jovi looks horrible in those new commercials. Uh, I like it. I like what happened to him? He, he got gray. He got yeah, old. Not he's only like gray, yes. something happened to his he's, face. He's like a grandfather. I think I he, he got plastic old. surgery. I think he had some bad plastic surgery. Went wrong. Yeah, yeah it's bad. Yeah. Number 10. What's the worst thing that ever happened to you on a youth trip? Mm. <laughs> I've, had some bad I've got right, some so good a, thoughts. A kid came out of the bathroom. We were staying in condominiums in Palm Springs, California. Beautiful Palm Springs, California condominiums. I'm telling everyone, please be careful here. All of a sudden, this kid comes out of the bathroom. Uh He had and threw a, a lunch sack at his best friend who was standing next to me. And his lunch sack exploded on this kid. And we found out that he had pooped in the lunch sack. Oh, poop sack. threw it at his friend, and it exploded all over the ceiling, the wall, and his buddy. Oh, that stinks. Man, Palm literally. Springs. I would have gone ballistic. That makes, you give, a... that makes you give up on the next generation. <laughs> right there. Well, the, the kid, the, I, then they started fighting. I had to break it up without getting poop on myself. Oh, man. And the kid that threw it was all mad. And he was like, I don't understand why he's mad at me. And I was like, it's dude, poop. you just poop at him. I don't understand why he's wow. mad at him. <laughs> wow. Was that middle school or high school? Still very much a guy's podcast. That's very much a middle school That's thing. what I thought. I was going to say. Wow. I have a bonus question for you, Brock. 
Are you going on the DC Talk cruise? <laughs> Heaven oh, bound. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Heaven bound. Even though Jesus is just all right with me, I'm not going. Oh, yes. he's, not, he's not down with the DC Talk. Do you, have you down heard down about the DC, DC Talk, Talk cruise? Have you heard I, about it? I'd rather have an album than a cruise. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. I think everybody wants yeah. the album, oh, not a Jesus cruise. Freak was awesome. I thought it was going to be like Jesus Freak Part 2 because yeah. Jesus Freak was awesome. you got to give it. That One of the cool. best Christian albums of all time. Yeah. Very cool. Yep. Well, hey, Brock, thanks for playing 10 Bad Questions with us. Those were definitely bad questions. They were bad. <laughs> Good <laughs> answers. Good answers, though. Good answers hey, to um, bad questions. Hey, Brock, before we let you go, tell us, uh, tell the people out there listening, tell us uh, how they can find you and get involved and buy your books and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so you can always check out uh, brockmorgan.com or you can head out to our ministries website, which is generation514.com, generation514.com. Cool. And make sure you pick up Amazing Next for your graduates and and also post Youth ministry in a post-Christian yeah, world. Youth ministry in a post-Christian world. It's a great book if you're listening to this as a parent, as a youth pastor, pastor, anyone. Pick that up, and uh, we would you, you'll be blessed by reading it. So, uh, hey, Brock, thanks for being with us. It's good to have you on, buddy, and looking forward to seeing you soon. And, and again, thanks for being with us today. Awesome. Thank you for having me, guys. Thanks, All right, Brian. All right, take care. Hey, we will take a short break, and then we'll wrap things up here on Post-Christian Pastors. Don't run away. All right, we're back. I wish you could hear all the things that happen when we're not recording. The cutting room floor (laughs) is juicy today. It is. My goodness. It's good to be back. And uh, it was a great episode, guys, to talk to Brock and Travis. Yeah. Two people working directly with young adults, millennials, teenagers, Mm -hmm. and soon-to-be teenagers. All those people uh, right in the midst and the thick of it. And that's the next generation. That's what what we're leaving behind yeah, and we take care of us when we're old it's so <laughs> important because they're going to make sure i live comfortably no <laughs> after all, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. they're gonna keep social security alive <laughs> yeah that's a whole other show yeah. wow well you know when when we when we talk about this subject um i think that you know i did this for 20 years and i still do it i mean as a pastor you're still interacting with People, I think what's been concerning to me is that I think the church has done a pretty poor job in this area of uh, a lot of times reaching out to young people uh, because they weren't willing to change. They weren't, we, we weren't willing to put our money where our mouth is. We would say we love kids and we love teenagers, but then we wouldn't put our money there. Uh, and when I say this, I'm talking the church as a whole. In America, I mean, there are there are churches doing amazing things. There are churches putting their money where their mouth is. So, you know, hear what I'm saying. It's not. It's it's not. It's not. There are individual churches doing it, but as a whole, yeah. we're not. We're not doing it. And and the current culture that we have, uh, I've always said, you know, that's the church's fault. It's not Hollywood's fault. It's not. Yep. It's not the devil's fault. It's yep. not, you know, we we had a great voice in this culture for a long time. Yeah. And I think because we got lazy and apathetic and a lot of other things, we we stopped speaking into the culture and, and in ways that were relevant and could reach kids yeah. and young people. Well, I, th- I think one of the things that, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before, but I think what one thing that I've noticed that I've come to realize, is I think that the church in general took a good thing 
So say, you know, like this idea of, hey, let's let's create environments and places for young people to come to know Jesus and to, you know, get connected like to the good church. Good heart. Took heart. Like we talked about the poverty issue Right, episode. yeah, right. We took, they took, we've taken a good thing, right? And we've actually created something bad out of it, right? We've created more of like more of like ghettos or silos subculture of subcultures for for youth and young yeah. people where they've not actually connected to the full body of Christ and, and and experienced the full church in unity together. But I will say John that I think a lot of times church has created those subcultures because the bigger church w- wasn't willing to change. Like, right, sure. Like they weren't willing to change so they would say we're not going to change the worship service so Absolutely. we're going to move yeah. you over right. here and have a youth service. Right. Well, I'm, and that, I'm, and I'm saying that, the church kind of it's right. it's our fault, right? It's, right? it's our fault. Um Yeah. And we've we've really done a poor job of of kind of you know there has to be a, a time in every church's life where you where you begin to not worry about what the current generation's desire right. is right but start to start to look at how do we you know transition to the next generation what do we leave right? behind and, and that's true behind, for right? every believer for every believer so right? every believer has right. to get to a point if you're a follower of Jesus you have to get to a point and I think it's probably for me, one of the number one marks of maturity in people is when they're, and you can tell by what they say and do, that it is no longer about them. Yep. Yeah. So it's no longer about their wants, their desires. They'll get taken care of, but but they look and say, how can we reach the next generation? That's that's a mark of incredible mature believer, yep. an incredibly mature church. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's those are the churches and the people that are getting it done. Challenging stuff. I mean, to think of what kids are faced with today versus what we were faced with, I kind of sometimes think it's the same, but it's not. It's different. Yeah. No, uh, it's cha- challenging thing that Brock even just talked about, pastoring your own kids, mm-hmm. being a youth pastor in your home, convicting and challenging, I think, in a lot of ways for every parent. So Yeah, yeah I agree. Thoughts. Well, it's been a great conversation. Thanks for being here with us on Post-Christian Pastors. You can find us on Facebook at Post Christian Pastors. Just search and look for us there. Uh, you can listen to the uh, old episodes that, that come before this one. You can find them on iTunes. You can find them on Podcast Addict. You can find them pretty much where any place that you can download podcasts, you will find them there. You can email us at postchristianpastors at gmail.com. We're not hard to find, guys. We've made it easy for you to listen, stream us, or download us on your phone or your computer whatever your smart tv uh wherever on a plane wherever you can find us on a plane a train or an automobile (laughs) Mm, nice 80s reference john candy (laughs) all right guys it's time to say goodbye so we are out like marvin dodgeball again oh (laughs) i'm actually better than that we're out out like marv's mom and dodgeball bringing back the mama jokes (laughs) had to go the next generation (laughs) that's so 1990s (laughs) have a good one guys peace out see ya